On today's show, we're going to be bringing on a guest who is a coach who's making his way through the ranks in the coaching world, but was also a player in the NFL. And he has some ties to the East Mississippi Community College football program that was on the first two seasons of the Netflix documentary, Last Chance You. So tune in, check it out. This is the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game Time Guru! What's up, everybody? Good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you're where you're listening to this, good morning. Um, I hope you're having a great day, great week. Uh, it's Friday, so I hope everybody's having a great time. Uh, before we get into the interview that I had this week with my awesome guest, I just want to say thank you um, to everybody who supported me. This podcast is continuing to grow, and I'm not trying to say that to brag. What I want to do is explain this for you guys. This podcast has grown substantially, especially like in the last probably, I don't know, seven or eight months. It's just starting to pick up steam, and it's all due to you, the listeners. Um, and if you're tuning in for the first time, I hope you enjoy this episode, and I hope that I can help you like, you know, help you see the, the, the world of sports through a different lens. Um, and if you can, please share this with your family and friends, as most of you have already done, because it's growing, and we want to help you know, deliver a panoramic view on sports for everybody. And that's why I bring on guests to, to tell their stories, which can relate to, you know, other people out there. And we can see the world of sports in, in a different way. Now, I'm a football fan, huge football fan. And I want to show you guys something or tell you guys something. Uh, I became hooked on this Netflix documentary called Last Chance You. If you haven't seen it yet, the first two seasons are already out, uh, but it's called Last Chance You. It's it's for uh, they followed the East Mississippi Community College football program for the first two seasons, and this third season that's starting up is going to be at a different school. Check out the trailer if you haven't already. You know, depending on when you listen to this, but right now it hasn't launched yet. It's not launched for another two weeks, but uh, check out the trailer. It's pretty sweet. Uh, but the first two years they were at East Mississippi Community College, and on the documentary you get to see the the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, of everything you get to see the the bad side of the coaches the good side of the coaches the bad side of the players good side of the players it's uh it's pretty emotionally draining um you find yourself becoming very attached to certain um individuals on the show and one of the coaches that was on that show is uh, coach davin williams and he was the defensive line coach and he's you know he had a couple of you know there was a couple of scenes in there he had some issues with one of the players in the second season um but he's one of he's like a fan favorite. That's everyone just loves him. All my all my close friends love this guy. He's one of the best coaches on the show, in our opinion. Um, and I was so happy to be able to sit down and and join him on on this interview. And I'm grateful for that opportunity. And I want to share that interview with you guys. So sit back, relax, and listen to our discussion with Coach Davern Williams. On the phone with me today, I've got an awesome guest. He was a football player, made the NFL. He's now coaching. Uh, we're going to learn about his story, where he's been, where where he intends on going. It's Mr. Davern Williams. Davern, thanks so much for joining me today, sir. Man, no problem. Thanks for having me. Man, no problem at all, man. I, the, the pleasure's mine to have you on the show. You're a fan favorite, uh, one of my favorite coaches from that Last Chance U documentary. And we'll get into that experience that you had at that school here in a little bit. But we're going to rewind the clock a little bit and take a, a step back. 
I want to have you talk about your days as a player. Before you got here to where you're at as a coach, I want to I want to hear about your playing days. Well, it all started for me, as, uh, you know, playing a little league in Montgomery for the Montgomery Cougars, if you want to go back that far. <laughs> yeah, perfect. You know, I came up, uh, played junior high football my seventh and ninth grade year. Couldn't play eighth grade year because my mom, my grades went up to par. So my mom didn't let me play. So, you know, that was a hard lesson I had to learn in life, you know, as far as just having my grades. Uh, or whatnot, but uh, ended up playing my ninth grade year at Blue Baker and uh, met a man by the name of Curtis Stewart. You know, he was a uh, uh, running back, fullback for Auburn University in his past. He was well-known in the Montgomery area, uh, and, you know, he was just a guy that coached at Jeff Davis High School that, you know, we all looked up to because of what he did and how he worked. You know, uh, You know, at the age of 30-something, he would go out there and run with us and lift with us and, you know, just be one of the guys. And, you know, it was pretty cool to look up to him to do that. And uh, But long story short, I ended up going to J.D. and uh, playing for the uh, state championship title, ended up losing by a point uh, my uh, sophomore year uh, and then won it my 11th grade year and then my senior year made it to the third round. So, I uh, was able to win a state championship in high school at Jeff Davis, and then uh, at JD, I gained the attention of Auburn University. Uh, you know, one game that stand out, you know, Tyler Watts uh, was a quarterback at Pelham at the time. He ended up being the quarterback at Alabama for a while. But in high school, we met in the third round, and uh, I ended up second and seven times. So that caught a lot of attention from a lot of power five schools, SEC schools back at the day. And um, so at the end of all of the recruitment, I ended up choosing Auburn. So I went to Auburn for a year, uh, had a coaching change, ended up leaving and uh, finishing out my playing career at Troy. And uh, little did I know I'd be playing with two future Hall of Famers and DeMarcus Ware at Ocean New York. And we ended up being in Mississippi State and, going to toe to toe with some big time programs, you know, during our transition years at Troy. And uh playing those programs again, I guess it caught the eye of some NFL scouts because uh I ended up getting drafted to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and I had, had a short stint there, you know, got put on injury reserve my first year. And uh then the next two seasons I ended up playing with the Giants. Uh so that's my career in a nutshell. I went traded in for the world, learned a lot, played with a lot of great football players, seen a lot of great football guys and how they work and approach the game. And, you know, that knowledge I just tried to carry over to, uh, you know, uh, the players that I ended up coaching uh, after my career. I like that. I like how you mentioned that you didn't do the traditional route. Like you didn't just go four years and then go to the NFL. You actually, you know, Switch schools up a little bit, uh, and I and you mentioned Troy. Funny story. I'm a Boise State fan. <laughs> no, I know, I know. It was a tough loss for you guys last year, but hey, we you guys got another shot at us this year, right? Yeah, I got to come down south, so we'll see how that heat works. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. It's going to be a lot tougher than a lot of people think. And honestly, just to be real with you, and I'm not just saying this because I'm interviewing you. 
I respect Troy a lot. It's actually one of the teams in the South that I respect, mainly because it's not in the SEC, which I hate. Anyways, I wanted to get into your uh, discussion as, you know, when you decided to start coaching. Like, how long after your playing days did you start coaching, and where exactly did you start your coaching career, Davin? You know, in 2000 and, uh, 2006, you know, I spent – I went to uh, – after I left the Giants, I left the Giants early in 2005 in training camp. So I told myself I was going to dedicate – the remainder of that 2005 season, you know, trying to get on with other teams. And, and I did. I had a workout with the Texans, a way to work out with the Seahawks, but nothing ever shook. And uh, so uh, I started selling insurance, you know, in January. And, uh, you know, I got into that world, you know, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do, if it was something else out there for me. And, uh, you know, I went did that for a while, and as I was in there, man, I just really learned that that was not <laughs> my profession that I wanted to, uh, you know, have longevity in. So I decided to get into coaching, and uh, the Lord worked in mysterious ways. I went to Coach Turk, which is my, my running backs coach at Troy. He was a head coach then at uh, Huntington. During that time, I was making my transition. Huntington College in Montgomery. And uh, I went to him, and I asked him, that, hey, coach, I wanted to coach. And uh, for, luckily enough for me, he had a defensive line position open. So um, I ended up taking that, you know, in the in August of 2006. And, I mean, that's how my career took off. And I was really a really green coach, really raw. I couldn't tell you what a formation was. I couldn't tell you, you know, pretty much a lot of stuff as far as pertaining to football because, you know, as a player, you know, you're just getting coached to do this and do that. You don't know the whole scheme of things. So, uh, you know, at Huntington, I really learned a lot of football, and uh, that really set my foundation as a coach, and I'm always appreciative to Coach Turk and, and his staff uh, for bringing me on. And, uh, you know, I stayed there for two years in 06 and 07, and, in 08, I had the luxury to go to another Division three school in Jackson, Mississippi, called Millsaps, where Mike Dubose was my head coach, uh, which was the former, you know, head coach at the University of Alabama. So I had a lot of, lot of knowledge there, man. A lot of knowledge, man. He he's probably forgot more football than than I know, you know, uh, and that speaks still to this day. You know, he's just a very smart football coach and. Uh, you know, and I was there for a year, had a chance to win a conference championship there with him. And, uh, you know, I ended up making a big, big jump from Division Three to the FCS level uh, from there to Jacksonville State. And uh, Coach Blakeney at the time, which was the head coach at Troy, my head coach and while I was at Troy, you know, put in a good word for me with Coach Crow, which was the head coach at Jacksonville State. And, uh, you know, I ended up playing there for four years and uh, won – one conference championship, could have won two, but you know, still we had a good, we had four good winning seasons, and uh, ended up leaving there, going to Murray State. Well, again, I had to, I had the luxury of playing, coaching up under another kind of legendary coach in the South, uh, Chris Hatcher. You know, he was a inventor. You know, he was not I'm gonna say the inventor, but he was under the. Uh, Tony Franklin tree, you know, running that spread offense that, you know, that's what they did and had a, had an opportunity to work for him. And, 
left him and ended up in East Mississippi for four years. And, you know, you know the story there, uh, two national championships and three state championships for me. And, uh, you know, and at the end of the 2017 season, you know, uh, opportunity came open for me to come to check, man, and I just took it. I, I felt like it was that time. Uh, you know, I wanted to get back in the four-year ball, and I wanted to, you know, move up to coaching tree, coaching ladder. So I felt like it was being a good, it was a good move for me to make this decision to come to Chattanooga, and it's been good ever since. It sounds like you have quite a uh, a cool story when it comes to coaching, as well as you know your playing days. You have this background that's, you know, awesome. It's not, it's very unique because not a lot of people. Um, not a lot of people go through that same journey. Everyone does it a different way, and it's awesome. So in regards to East Mississippi Community College, now for those, we, we, this is the big part. We want to talk about the you know, the Last Chance You documentary that's East Mississippi Community College um, because you're a fan favorite. Like I said, a lot of my friends um, and myself, anybody who watches the show for that matter, they they like Coach Williams. That's like the main the main coach that they like, so it's cool that I'm speaking with you. But I want to know a little bit about the school first. We're going to get into this discussion about East Mississippi Community College. First off, for those who haven't watched the documentary, where is this East Mississippi Community College located? Well, it's located in the town called Scuba, and it's uh, it's kind of like if, if you draw a triangle, you know, uh, on the straight line of the triangle, you know, scuba is like right in the middle. You know, you have scuba right in the middle of that straight line. And at the top of that line, you have Starkville, Mississippi, which is about our north. And then you have Meridian, Mississippi, which is about uh, 45 minutes to an hour south. And then at the point of that triangle to your right, you have Columbus, which they call it the Golden Triangle area. So Scuba is like a small little town on Highway 45 in Mississippi. If you blink, you'll miss it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a really cool, quiet place, country place. It fits my it fits my character, you know, because I'm just a laid-back guy. I, you know, I don't need to hustle and bustle of the city, but I do need a little bit more <laughs> than, than, than Scuba provided, you know. I mean, it's like it was like an hour to the nearest Walmart. You know, and uh, <laughs> but you know, it was, it was like I said, it was good, quiet country, wholesome living. You know, and uh, you know, it, it was it was just a good place for that school to be because you know we our recruiting pitch, you know, to that place is just books and ball. That's all it's there, books and ball, and you know, guys who come to junior college, they're there for a reason. You know, and uh, so less distractions, the better production, the better you know, chances of you getting out and graduating and going on to your four-year school of your choice. So uh, that's Scuba in a nutshell. I like it. I mean, if you like that country living, that's great. Uh, that's what Scuba seems like, especially on the documentary. Now, in regards to that, though, I kind of want to know when the cameras got there at the school, how did you adapt to it as a coach, and how did you get your players ready to have the cameras in their faces um, on top of having to do, you know, books and ball, you know, going to football practice and going to school? Well, from the coaching standpoint of it, man, I mean, we still had to win ball games, you know. And, like, no matter what camera was around or who was getting interviewed, you know, I still had to coach guys how to stop them running, you know. So, you know, we, we just kept our focus. We just kept our focus on, you know, the game. You know, when it was time to practice, practice went on as normal. You know, they really didn't bother us in that situation. Really wasn't a bother, period. 
you know, for me per se, you know, um, but for the kids, I'm sure they loved it. You know, anytime they had that chance to act up and be silly and be goofy in front of the camera, sure, I'm sure they took it. You know, if you look at the documentary, you can tell that they took it. So I think it was an overall positive thing, you know, but for, you know, Coach Stevens, you know, everybody wanted to kind of follow him and, you know, watch his reaction to everything, you know, just to kind of get deep footage or whatever. I'm sure it got on his nerves. <laughs> you can tell that on camera as well. And it would be too, you know, every time they turn around, they got a camera in my face or whatnot. But, you know, uh, I think for him, you know, it was more of a distraction. But for, my, for the majority of Mr. coaches, I mean, we still had the coach. Uh, we kept our focus on trying to win because at the end of the day, no matter what's going on, you know, we, we got to win Oh, for sure. You got to win. Uh, winning is the most important piece, especially if, you know, as the coaches, you're getting paid to be there. You got to win. So uh, you got to perform well and totally get that. Now, I wanted to talk about the players at East Mississippi Community College. Um, there's a lot of players, you know, on the show for Last Chance U, they'll bring on, you know, they, they kind of spotlight the, the, the bigger time players, the big name guys that are possibly coming from other schools and, you know, the D1 guys that are you may have gotten in trouble with the law or whatever may have happened, right? So, or they didn't have their grades or whatever happened. And they come over here, and I don't want to say entitled, uh, but that's kind of how some of them were portrayed uh, when they were there. Like, they, they knew they were, quote-unquote, better than this um, when it came to the school and then that style of play. I wanted to know, from your perspective, how you used your playing background and, and your coaching experience to get to those players that may have felt, you know, for lack of better terms, entitled. Well, you know, to me, as far as the entitlement comment, you know, like take for instance John Franklin. You know, I knew John Franklin had a little something to him, but I didn't realize the extent of it till I actually watched the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. You know, um, you know, it, it, it was it, it wasn't that much of entitlement. I think him and Cam were you know uh, two of the you know biggest kids as far as the entitlement. Uh, situations was concerned and you know I think John Franklin went on to have you know okay career you know uh, in Auburn he did somewhat well and then at FAU he did somewhat well and now he's playing in the NFL so uh, he fought his way through it and you know unfortunately I don't think that's the case for Cam I think he ended up transferring again and and this that and the third but you know for the most part, you know, you you're gonna have one or two guys like that. But other than that, man, there were some kids there that had some really good stories that were just really humble and hungry. You know, it's a list of those kids there. Uh, pretty much the majority of the team because they were fighting number one to get out of school and then number two to get a good scholarship offer. You know what I mean? So, you know, for the most part, you had more hungry hungry and humble kids than we did kids that felt entitled, you know. And I know that's what the show portrayed, you know, because there are guys like that, but, you know, they left a list of humble guys out, like Akeem Coleman and Ezekiel Rowe and B.J. Henderson, all these kids are Mississippi kids who are hungry and ended up going to Division One programs, you know. Oh, for sure. And I'm and I kind of uh... – you know, assume that was the case, and and I know that they have to get their ratings up for the show, and so they probably just focus in on a few kids they, that they know are gonna, you know, help the ratings in that sense. So, um, I, I did want to ask you something though, because one of my friends 
did uh, comment on one of my social media posts and said, I need to ask you about Cam. So I know it's a tough question, uh, but can do you still speak with Cam, and, and can you elaborate a little bit on that? You know what, man? You know, some guys I still stay in touch with. Some guys I don't, you know, um, and Cam is one of those guys I don't. I haven't spoken with Cam since he left. If Cam calls me, we can talk. But as far as anything else, you know, I kind of – I, I keep up with them from a distance, you know. Uh, and, 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 the, and the thing about it, people got to understand, too, that even with the alter, altercation that Cam and I got into it, we got into, you know, after that, I still was, you know, encouraging him and motivating him to do better, you know. And right. with, with the part that I gave up with, I just didn't push as hard when he didn't. You know what I mean? Because again, you know, these guys have to learn lessons on their own. You can't hand, you can't spoon feed them, you can't hold a hand. You know, so. But even after the altercation, man, you know, I was still telling Cam I was proud of him, just like in the Gulf Coast game. You know, after we won, I hugged his neck, told him I was proud of him. After they sprayed me with water, I mean, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, if, if those kids can't learn that I can humble myself at any given time, then they won't be able to humble themselves, you know. So not only, yeah, I was mad, yeah, I was frustrated in dealing with him, but at the end of the day, I had 12 more guys in my room that I had to set an example for, you know what I mean? So I just didn't let one bad apple spoil the bunch for me, you know, because there are some good kids out there that want to do the right thing, that want to listen, want to take coaching, you know. So those are the guys that, you know, you have to focus on, uh, more, you know, because they're the majority. Oh, for sure, and and I assume that was the case. I just know that the the documentary, like the the show itself, probably zooms in on the kids that are going to spike the ratings. But I assume there were a lot of kids in there that were really good kids that you got to be around. Um, and I want to ask you a question, Coach. What was the biggest blessing about coaching at a JUCO like that, a, a national powerhouse junior college? Have you? I want to know what your biggest blessing was. The biggest blessing for me was, you know, dealing with so many different demographics, you know, uh, different mentalities of, you know, of football. Um, you know, some of those guys, you know, come from really bad backgrounds. Some of those guys come from really good backgrounds. And uh, some of those guys come from good backgrounds and just bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just a different – uh, type of players that you had to deal with helped me fine tune, you know, my coaching style. You know what I mean? It helped me humble myself a little bit more because I, I knew from jump I couldn't be a coach that came in and just yelled and cursed and told them what to do. You know, because those guys, they're not going to take that. They're not going to, you know, respond to that with you. You know, so it took me to kind of figure out a different approach that I had to take with them. And, you know, it, it humbled me as a coach. You know, it humbled, really humbled me as a coach. So uh, I would say that would be my blessing, just dealing with the different type of kids because it really changed the way that I approach um, the players that's under my toolage uh, every day. So and for that, uh, it's made me a better coach. And, and uh, you know, and I carried it over to here, you know, the guys have been, you know, walking the straight line here. You know, classroom has been good here, you know, because I came in from jumping, told them, hey, this is what it is. This is how it's going to be. And when you say that, you have to back it up, 
you know, and as long as you backing up what you say and do, I think these kids will respect you more so than not. For sure. And as a coach, from your perspective, now that you've you've been through quite a few schools, uh, a lot of different experiences, I want your thoughts on the JUCO experience. I had a, a former classmate of mine at Boise State University who was drafted to the Dallas Cowboys, uh, wide receiver Cedric Wilson. And he actually told me one time that the, the junior college that he was at before he came to Boise State Oftentimes he went up uh, against better competition, mainly because a lot of those kids in the junior college level were, you know, ACC caliber talent. Some of them SEC, but he got to go up against a lot of the the defensive backs that were, you know, talented players. They just were at a junior college first. So I kind of want to know your thoughts. Is it a good a good idea for kids to go to a junior college? Um, what what's your overall feelings on the JUCO experience? Because from what I can see. Some take advantage of it, and some of them almost act like it's, you know, oh, well, it's just my last chance to play to play some sort of ball, so, I mean, I'm just here to be here. And then others, you know, obviously take it more seriously. Well, you know, everybody needs a second chance, you know. I mean, you know, when they named the show Last Chance You, you know what I mean, that's pretty much basically what it was. I mean, because if you didn't get that offer coming out of high school uh, that you wanted, you know, you can go to JUCO and get a bigger offer, you know, or if you didn't qualify out of high school, you know, like you should, you know, JUCO is there to help you, you know, manage your classroom experience a little bit better. Or if you got in trouble or something, you know, in high school or in college and, you know, you still had time to, you know, eligibility to go play somewhere else, well, you know, you come to JUCO, so I, to, it's it's a it's a yes or no question. Question. I say yes. You know, if, I say yes if there is a problem, an issue that arises with you as a player, and yes, you go to JUCO if you still have a passion and you still want to prove, or if you still want to just show the world that you are better than what you've shown. Yes, but if you're a qualifier out of high school, you got the grades. You know, and you have the means to go somewhere and walk on and do that. I would do that because that JUCO experience, number one, is tough. It is tougher than anything you know you can imagine because of the the strenuous work ethic in the classroom and on the football field and the type of coaching that you're getting. You're going to get a lot of tough coaching because at the end of the day, you have to transform those players' state of mind. You have to transform their actions every day. You know, uh, there's going to be curfew check. There's going to be bed check. There's going to be class check. And I know they have those things at four year universities, but at our places year round. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I just would say if you don't have to go the JUCO route, you know, try to go walk on somewhere because it ain't made for everybody. JUCO is not made for everybody, you know. But it is there for everybody who want to get a second chance. So it's a yes or no question for me. I I can't say, you know, not to go or to go. You know, it just it just depends on that particular player's situation. For sure. And for coaches, I want to know what you think for coaches. Um, a lot of coaches come from different backgrounds, and it seems like at the junior college level, the 
the the junior college level it, it actually helps be a launching pad for coaches oftentimes obviously you had a different situation you had a background of coaching and and some of them do but for others it it launches them to the next level it, it helps them take that next step so what are your thoughts on the coaching aspect of the junior college level yeah it, you know it's it's a be, it's a benefit to coaching because you know at the end of the day it's kind of like you know it's kind of like uh how, how would i say this Number one, you're coaching uh, like like the young man you said at Boise State. You're coaching talented players. You know what I mean. You're coaching talented players. You're coaching Power Five. You're coaching NFL type of players. So, in order for you as a coach to have that kind of experience coaching those type of players, players, yes, uh, it's beneficial. Uh, another thing, beneficial thing, is recruiting. You know, in the state of Mississippi, you know, we only got eight out of states. So, uh, you know, in the state of Mississippi, you know, the bulk of our kids out of 55, you know, but 40, 44 of them, I'm excuse me, 47 of them were from Mississippi, you know. So the recruiting experience was, was really good because you're battling 14, 13 other junior college, colleges for the same kids. So now you got to get creative with recruiting. You know, now you got to sell school in a town like school to, you know, kids who may live in the Jackson area or Pattysburg area, more of your populated areas of Mississippi. So the JUCO experience does help you. It does help you mold as a coach, you know, in that aspect. You know, and as far as X's and O's, man, a curl route in, in pop one football is a curl route in the NFL. Football is football, you know. It's the other tangible things. It's the other things that, you know, what you're doing off the field, the administrative stuff, you know, getting transcripts in and making sure kids are eligible and have enough hours to transfer. All those things are beneficial to a coach, you know, who's trying to move up to a four-year level because they do the same thing there. But the problem about it is at a four-year school, you have academic people who are in charge of that at school board and JUCO you as a coach have to be in charge of that for the most part to, uh, you know, just kind of get that understanding. Of course, we had a great guide in Brittany, which helped us out of burst and, you know, help us understand the process and, 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 and the process of why kids were on our campus as well as far as academics. So, you know, she helped out a bunch too. So it was, uh, it, it's always, I think you can learn anything from any experience, you know, whether it be positive or bad, but, as a coach, I think the JUCO route does benefit you because it helps you it helps you with the grunt work that you had to do at a four-year school. Yeah, yeah, and that's very interesting. The point that you made about the recruiting, too, at the junior college level, I didn't know you had a certain allotment of players uh, that you could take from out of state. I didn't know that. Um, and I don't think a lot of people do, so that's really interesting because it, it makes you have to, to work on that. Now, as far as your future in coaching is concerned, um, do you want to stay in the college ranks or do you want to go to the professional level? Where where do you see yourself going in the future for coaching? Man, I want to do it all, man. <laughs> you know, I know there's a process, and I know in this business it's not what you know or who you know, it's who know you. And, uh, you know, and at this point right now, I think a lot of people know me. Just like prime example, I, was at, I love telling the story because it was like one of the most feel-good stories for me personally you know, since the show came out, but we are with convention in Charlotte uh, this, pay, this this year, you know, in January, 
And uh, as I was waiting for my baggage, waiting for my, you know, baggage out of baggage claim, you know, here walks up Mark Stoops, you know, the head coach at uh, at the University of Kentucky. And, uh, you know, he said, hey, man, uh, I love you on the show, man. So does my wife. And do you mind taking a picture with her? I'm like, sure, Coach Stoops, Stoops, come on over, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's Coach Stoops from Kentucky, you know. So, you know, it's, it's stuff like that, man. And, you know, at the convention, I got a lot of notoriety. So, you know, I'm just hopeful right now to do a great job where I'm at. And uh, when it comes time for the hustle and bustle and the shaking and moving, hopefully, you know, I can be in the mix to better myself as a coach. Yeah, and, and Coach, as as a coach in your whole coaching career up until this point, what has been your favorite memory so far? I would have to say my best memory overall as a coach was winning uh, you know, this past year's national championship team, this national championship, uh, honestly. You know, because, number one, we won it in 14, and we were by far the most talented team in junior college football that year. Uh, in 17, we were talented, not as talented as a lot of people that we played, but it's that, it's that EMCC work ethic. It's that work ethic that Coach Stevens instilled into the program. It's the work ethic that we instilled into our guys. You know, just that work ethic. Our guys work and they fought and they 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 bit and they punched and they, you know, they just they just fought their way to the top. And I was so proud of that bunch of kids. I was so proud of that football team with the adversity that we had that year, losing one of our guys late in the playoff run. Um, you know, before right before the national championship, the adversity that they had to overcome and to see them go have those sad emotions and to bounce back and fight for their teammate and fight for their school and, and just fight for, you know, everybody, everybody in school, man, because, you know, us winning doesn't affect just the football team. It affects the whole town because that's all we have. So, uh that was my most memorable uh, experience as a player, I mean, as a coach. And we'll switch it up right now then. What was your favorite memory as a player? As a player, you know, just me being in the NFL, uh, you know, just because a lot of people don't make it that far. I remember it was preseason in 2005. We were in Cleveland Brown Stadium getting ready to experience them, and I'm like, here, man, I made it. I'm here. I made it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, I'm, and I'm playing football in the NFL with the New York Giants. I mean, it was so surreal to me. To me. So that was a proud moment for me just to be able to make it that far. And uh wish I had a little bit more longevity in it. But, hey, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in life right now. And you got to do something that not a lot of people do. So it's really cool to see that you kind of worked at it, went the non-traditional route like we talked about before, made it somewhere, and now you're still – able to utilize your knowledge and your skill set by passing it on to the kids that you're coaching. And so it's really inspiring. So, Coach, thanks so much for, you know, sharing your story with us and inspiring all of us. Man, no problem, man. Anytime. I appreciate y'all checking out the show, and and y'all make sure y'all follow the mocks this fall. It'll be a good season. For sure. We'll be keeping an eye on you, Coach. I appreciate you joining us today. And once again, thanks for sharing your story with us. All right, man. Thank you.
There it is, guys. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Davern Williams, uh, coach from Last Chance University, the Netflix documentary. Now, the if you didn't catch it in the interview, they did win the national championship last year. It's a solid school, solid football program, uh, but it's funny because the the cameras weren't there for this season's uh, Last Chance U. They were at a different school, which is going to be airing in a couple of weeks on Netflix. But uh, they did win the national championship. I encourage you to go back and watch it. If you have Netflix, check it out, Last Chance U. You can watch uh, Coach Davern Williams in action um, and see why he's a fan favorite. Um, he's an awesome coach, and he's going to be at Tennessee Chattanooga now. That's where he's going to be working, so check him out there. Keep an eye on him going forward. I know I will be because you know anybody who I do interviews with, I like to keep you know an eye on them to see how their careers evolve. Um, I'm excited for it. So once again, guys, thanks so much for joining me for another episode on my show, and uh, you know the drill. Go subscribe, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.